and it's uh, the closer of the Zman. It's been a very long, uh, a long semester, as it were. Uh, double Adar and the difficult Masechta and a difficult weather system that we experienced this winter. And now we are, Baruch Hashem, at the end, and we can make a bracha on the Mugmar, the fact that we're able to say that we have finally concluded a successful Zman in Yeshiva, which is a very big schus that we have to thank the Rabbi Nishayim for. And now we are heading home to begin a new Zman called Ben Azmanim. The Gedalim say that Ben Azmanim is not a Zman that doesn't exist. It's also a Zman. It's just a different Zman. It's a different experience. Instead of having a Zman in Yeshiva, we experience a Zman at home. And we know, and I know from speaking to Talmidim after every Ben Azmanim, that there are problems sometimes with Ben Azmanim. There are problems going home, although there are wonderful parts of having a family and being able to engage in the Lel HaSeder and all of the Mitzvah Sachad together with your Mishpacha, but going home sometimes poses challenges and sometimes we feel that we experience some falls that we go we go from the high mountain, the high peaks of being in yeshiva in the ruach of the yeshiva and then suddenly being found in a completely different matzah, and sometimes it's a pitfall, and sometimes we stumble, Labira Mikta. And so, what I'd like to talk about in this last shmuz of the Zman is understanding exactly why it is that when we go home after a wonderful Shtarka Zman, sometimes we feel that we have a, a fall. And perhaps we can figure out a way to prevent such a mapola from occurring. The beginning of Tzachim, we learn that the night prior to Erev Pesach, the night of the 14th, the Ar Liyodalid, we thoroughly check our home. We go from room to room finding chametz in any crack and crevice that they may be hiding, they may be lurking. The Aleshur, the great Revolvi, speaks about this mitzvah. And he describes the way G'daylem don't do a superficial search and very quickly make the bracha, run around the house with a candle and quickly say the kalchamir, the chamiyah that's said after the bedika. But great people spend a lot of time, he says many, many hours going 
from room to room, from drawer to drawer, going and making sure that not a single stone has been left unturned in the process of looking for that chametz. And then he says that the nefesh hayafet, the sensitive soul who is engaged in this mitzvah of searching out the chametz, will understand and make the connection that not only is it sufficient to seek out the physical chametz in our home, but we have to look inside and we have to look deeper inside and to scour our nefesh and to scour our neshama until we find any netiyah l'ra'ah, any bad midah, any unacceptable character trait inside, and then try to engage in the beer of the Eight Sahara, the beer of that chametz as well. And in fact, he says that the Ratzayin that's recited at the end of this process, and we also recite it by the Bir Chametz on Erev Pesach by day, speaks exactly this Nakuda out. The Lashon is, Yiratzayin milfanecha Hashem alekeinu milakeha beiseinu, shetirachim aleinu, you should have mercy upon us. You should shield us from the sin of possessing chametz. Even a slight morsel of chametz. The same way that we were hopefully to have found and searched out and destroyed all of the chametz in our homes. This arfanu, and we burned it. Kach tizakeno levar ayetzahara mikerbeno tamid kal yemechayeno. Hakadosh Baruch Hu, you gave us this chus to mevar the chametz in our homes and to burn that chametz. So too shall you give us the great merit of destroying the chametz within the yetsahara that lurks within. Constantly, we should have the ability to destroy it. Kol Chayenu. And Rebbe ends that the etzim habedika, when we search out this chametz, it's a hislamdos. It's a practice. It's a training ground for midas hazehiros vanekias. We're able to learn all of the all-important midas of how to be zar, how to be a naki within. That's really the main avaydah, the internal avaydah of our larbasa. And when you hear such a daher from Revolvi, you have to scratch your head for a second and ask yourself, okay, I understand that this, this is very important. This Avaida is essential. But this doesn't sound like a Pesach Avaida. This is a good schmooz. This is a good sicha. This is a good shtikl for Elul. For Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. It's a musr, it's a hair. It's something that, you know, 
to be able to look inside introspection. Introspection is really Elo. It's Rosh Hashanah, it's Yom Kippur. That's the time that we have to look inside. Why is this particular Aveda of Zahiros, of Nikia, something which is Shayach the Bezach? Okay, Bedikas Chameitz, Arlar, Basar, Baitmez Chameitz, we understand. Bayira, Bayimatze, we have to get rid of our Chameitz. But why make that leap to also look internally and to be Mavar, the Chameitz within, the Yitzhahara within? Why is that Shayach to Pesach more than any other day of the year? Why is this the Abayda of Erev Chaga Pesach, Habalainu Lataiva, to have all of these Kavanis and to make such a Yiratzayim and to engage in a search and destroy mission, not just in our homes, but in our inner space? There's a magefa that we have in our times, and it's been called the reverse Murano magefa. What does that mean, re- reverse Murano? A Murano is a yid who, during the Spanish Inquisition, they made a decision. And their decision was, okay, they're putting me to a choice, to a test. I could either be a Yid and die as a Yid, or I can convert to the church and live. Many people, all the people with a Munapshuta, as the Chassid Yaivitz attests to, they were Meister Nefesh al-Kiddush Hashem. They died, Yehark, Valyavah. We don't want anything to do with Abayi Zarah. And they agreed happily with their Amunah Pshutah, with their simple frame of mind, their simple Amunah, their Bitachan, their faith and their trust in God, to die al-Kiddush Hashem, the hardest decision that any person could make. Many people could not make that decision. The Chassid Yavid says, ironically, that the people that could not make such a good decision were the philosophers. Those people that were dairish v'chaiker about the existence of the Rabbeinu Shalom with a very sophisticated methodology. This was the golden age of Spanish jury. Philosophy was like, that was it. To be a philosopher was, was an amazing pursuit in those days. Many of those philosophers, they were so able to twist and turn their brains with their philosophy that they figured out they figured out an excuse of tour to not have to do it, to not have to be Meisir Nefesh Al Kiddush Hashem. And what many of them did was they converted to the church openly when they were in the public square. They dressed and they acted. Like Gayim. But when they came home, they had secret subterranean tunnels in their house and rooms that were unknown to the authorities. And in those rooms, they were hidden. And their wives like lit Neira Shabbos. And they made Kiddush on Friday night. And Abdullah on Matzai Shabbos. 
and they did all of the mitzvahs hayayim. They kept the Lel Seder and Shavuos and Simchas Tayyar, but it was all in their homes, in their basements. In their homes they were Jewish, outside they were not. Today it's been pointed out that unfortunately many didn't have the opposite Hanago. Which means that in the public square, that's where we're, we're, we're Jewish, we're from, we're Shemri Tayyar Mitzvahs, Givaldic, I daven, I shakal, I give tzedakah by the appeals, I learn, I act with perfect midas, with derech eretz. Everyone thinks I'm a, an upstanding citizen. Guest of honor at the dinner. I come home though, and something suddenly changes. My whole, my whole persona, the way I act, the way I think, the way I behave, my level of frumkite suddenly takes a precipitous drop. Outside I'm a yid, inside I'm different. When I go home, I act very different than I do when I'm in yeshiva. If I'm a balabas in shul, when I'm in shul, I'm the chashiv stayed in shul. When I go home, I'm a different person. I don't daven as well, I don't learn. I'm not so nice to my wife and children. My home mannerism is just different. It's not the way I'm outside. I have like a split personality. When I'm outside, I'm a yid. And when I'm inside, I'm not. That's a very common magifa. And I think many of us can relate to what I'm saying either personally or through experiences with, their, with people that are in their, in their surroundings, that they see a hypocrisy. It's not teiche kabarei. We're not the way we present ourselves outside when we're inside. We're reverse Muranos. And if we feel this way, if we feel that when we're in yeshiva, we are very inspired, and we're good, and we're fine, and we're happy where we are, but when we come home by Ben Azmanim, or maybe on a Shabbos during this man. Suddenly we're not the same person that we are in Yeshiva and we're scratching our head and we're wondering, why is that? Why is it that when I come home I'm different? Why can't that inspiration that I have in Yeshiva stick with me even when I'm home? The answer to that is, Rabbi Sai, this is the Hashpah Parai. Parah was the one that was machadesh, this duality in life. That you could be inspired when you're outside, and when you come in, you're cold. You go from hot to cold. When you're outside, you're hot. When you come home, you're cold. The Pasuk at the beginning of the Makis, by Makis Dam. Shemais Parah, Zayin Pasuk Chav Gimel. Parai turns away from the Makkah of Dam after his Khartoumim duplicated the same sort of thing 
turns away. comes home. And his heart was unaffected by this. His heart was not moved, was not inspired. The Argadal Yahu brings from a sefer called Sifseid Tzedek that what shot in this Pasuk is, is as follows. When the Pasuk says, Vayit and Power, that doesn't mean that he was uninspired. It means that he was inspired. Vayit and Power, Power was like blown away for a minute. Para was like impressed. Wow, Makistam, Durbanishlam, punishment, Tsarbainesh. There is a Rabbanishlam. Ayif and Para, he turned, he was moved. When he was outside, he was moved. But you know what happened? Vayavel Besai. He came home. Came back home, made himself a cup of coffee, sat in his throne. Falashasli by Gamazais. He turned it off. All of the inspiration that he had when he was outside looking, being inspired, being impressed, he came home, and once he came home, it was dead. For like Shasli by Gamlazais, whatever I was able to be mushka from outside, I don't have that anymore. It's dead inside. Once I come home, I turn it all off. I'm a different person. I am not Taifikabarai. Outside I'm one way and inside I'm another way. If we feel that that's us, we should know that that is the Hashvah of Aray. And that's what a Yid is not supposed to be. He brings a famous vart from the Kotzker, the Argadal Yahoo. He says that the Kotzker says, That right after Matan Taira, the Pasuk says, Shuvu lachem la'alechem. Kedesh Baruch Hu tells Yisrael, go back to your tents. Go back home. The obvious question is, yeah, we're not going to stay in, in, at Harsinai forever. Matan Taira is over. Beautiful experience. Now we have to go back home. You need a matir to go home? Why do we have to have a formal invitation to go back to our tents? Of course, after the the curtain falls, we go home. Zaktikotzker, the point of that tzivoy, of Shuvu Lachem Lalechem was, HaKadosh Baruch Hu understands that we have such a power inside of us, that we are able to be very inspired, and then we go home, and that inspiration dies. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, Shuvu Lachem Lalechem. You had an incredible experience here by Matan Taira. You saw Kailas and Brokim. You saw the Anan, Kavit Alahar. You were inspired. You saw the Shekhinah Medaberes Mitach Drayne Shalmeshe. You heard Anayfi and Layyelachamitiyadvura. You were like, Amazed, awed, inspired, impressed, everything. Now, says HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I charge you to take all of that inspiration, go home, and continue being inspired. 
Do not let the moment of Matantaira dissipate. Take it home and live with it at home. Don't turn it off the moment you get past the doorway, but take it into your home. Be mushpa, be mashpia. All that you saw, remember, give it over to your children. Remind yourself of it. Whenever you're at a moment of inspiration, you have to try to grab onto that inspiration tenaciously. Don't let it drift. Don't let it go away. If you do, your are That's what parry does. Vayipen parry is impressed. He turns it off. I'm home. Baruch Hashem. It's over. Let's do our own thing. We're back home. We're, we're home safe. This is it. We're home. I don't need to be inspired anymore. That was a nice experience, but now we're back to our old ways. The challenge that the Torah gives us after Ma'am Torah is not to be like Aaron. To try to take whatever you saw at Ma'am Torah, Yitzhiz Mitzrayim, and take it home. And remember what it was. And never forget it. Bring it into the home. Rav Schwab says almost an identical vart in a safer Mayan Beis HaShoeva. He says it's in the back of the Sefer by his Perushim on Shirashirim. In the Kitzer, he says, brings the Gemara in Chagiga that Darshins, How beautiful are your footsteps when you're wearing shoes, Klal Yisrael. And the Gemara Darshins that this is when Klal Yisrael goes to the Ayla Regal, the Pasuk is being Meshabeach, the beauty of Klal Yisrael. How beautiful are your footsteps when wearing shoes? Listen, how could the Pasuk be talking about Aliyah Laredo and praising Klai Yisrael for wearing shoes? One of the most basic halachas that we know about Aliyah Larega, Liz, you're not supposed to wear shoes on the Harabayas. When you're going to be a Larega, you have to take your shoes off. So what in the world is this talking about? How beautiful are your shoes as you're being a Larega? There are no shoes on the Harabayas. It's a mysterious Chazal. He asks another question that in Musaf we say, Musaf Vishal Shurgalim, that Vahashev Tayanim Lavaidasam Ulavim Lizim Lishiram Lizimram the Israel Vahashev Israel and Avayim and Klai Yisrael will go back to their homes. There are other things that Klai Yisrael does that at why do you have to talk about when they go back home? Vahashev Israel and Avayim like you're saying there's nothing Klai Yisrael did nothing when they were the Tayanim they are doing their Beduchanim Yisrael they were Bashirim Lizimram Yisrael. Bahashir is calling to them, let Yisrael go back home to their homes. Doesn't make sense. Zakhtar of Schwab, when we went to Maimon, to, to Aliyah Laregel, it was such a phenomenal experience. It's like a dogma of Matantaira. We saw Kaviyachal Ashtina. There was Hashras Ashtina, Shalish Pham Bashana, Yeirah, Kalzachur, Hasnei Hashem Alekecha. You saw the Rabbi Nishlam Kaviyachal. You saw so many sights. You heard the Levim singing Shira. 
you saw the Kaihanim being Makiv Karbanes. They used to be, they used to remove the Paraiches. And they used to show Klayas Yal the Kruvim. And how this is the Chiba of Akarishvachu to Klayas the dogma of the Kruvim of Azachar and Nekeva, Muravim Zebazeh. You saw so much in Man, at, at, at Alil Regal. You were inspired, you were moved, it was phenomenal. What do you do after, the morning after Alil Regal? Now, do you go home and you put your old work boots on and your old, you know, you get your attaché case out of the closet, you go to work and as if nothing happened? Or is it possible for you to take with you back home that experience and stay inspired and be able to have the Yerushamayim and Ashras Ashkinab brought into your own homes? Zakhtar Schwab, that was what Klai Yisrael always tried to do. That was the challenge of Aliyah Laregel. It's not a coincidence to be able to go up Laregel and see everything in its glory and be able to be inspired. That's Pasha. Everybody did that. The kunz, the trick was to go home and to stay inspired. It's not the inspiration of going up to the Haramariya for Aliyah Laregal. Then you were shoeless, but that's not a kunz. The trick was when you come back down. As you're coming back down the mountain and you're going home and you have your shoes on. And you're still trying to maintain and to hold on to the experience. That's the beauty of Pa Yisrael. That's how we differ from Parai. We try to maintain the Ruchni Yisdika Madregas that we are Masid. For Hashid Yisrael Lenevehim. We go back home. Shuvul Ochem Lechem. We come back to our tents and there we are able to Mashpia and stay Mushpa. And create an aura of Kedusha in our homes, perhaps even greater if possible, than by Harsina and by Har Maria. And this, of course, is so relevant to us because we were, I believe, very mushpa this man. I think it was a great man by all accounts. And we had so much Tyra and so many great experiences together. So many Shiurim, so many Chabura, so many Sicha, so many Shmuzin, so many Vadin, so many Starim, so many Dibuk Chaverim. It was an incredible man. And now here we are, and we're heading home, and we're afraid. Are we going to be able to say that we're shuvu lachem la'aleichem? Are we going to be able to take all of that ruchnius that we have accumulated and take it home? Are we going to be able to have mayafu pa'amayafana'olem when we put our feet, our shoes on our feet and start heading back to our personal places of residence, is it going to be the same? Are we going to be able to carry with us the Kedusha of this man? 
Or is it going to just completely go up in smoke as soon as we come through the doorway of our home and we're back in our old ways and we're back with our family and with our old friends and with the old Hebra and the Shul and all the people that perhaps remember us before this man. And it's scary, it's frightening. And I know a lot of you are frightened. Because we know it's true. We know how we are. And we know how easy we fall. And we know how hard it is to maintain those levels of Kedusha for whatever reason. And I like to explore that reason. Why is it that we're so easy to lose all of the Madragas of Ruchnius that we attain? Why is it that our Yerushalayim could, could fall so deeply after such a Zman? And why is it that our Midas, why is it when we're in Yeshiva, we're nice and we're friendly and we're wonderful and then we go home and it's like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, we're different. We're rude. We're chutzpahdik sometimes. We're not the same Bali Chesed as we are maybe with our friends. Things are different. We fight with our siblings and we're not so nice sometimes to our parents. Maybe we're insensitive to them or to our grandparents if they're in our home. What's going on with us? Why is it that when we're in yeshiva, we're in the public square, everything is good, it's been a good man. But then we come home and everything is different. What happens to us? Why can't we maintain this? And the answer is, as hard as this is to admit to, that if this happens to us, it means that our Midas and our mitzvahs are not deep. They're superficial. It means that we are doing things by rote. We're acting in a certain way because that's the socially expected way that we're behaving. It's manners. It's politeness. It doesn't mean that it's really be'etzem. Midas are not something that are supposed to be just superficial acts of niceness. The Eilam Amidas is the Eilam Hapnim. It's an internal world. It's a world that's inside. It has to be real. There's a famous story about Rabbi Bram Elia Kaplan, who was one of the, the great Iluyim of Slabovka, and his family was from Germany, and he went to um, Germany for Ben Azmanim. And he comes home, and he's Meshabeach in the base Medrash of Slabotka, that holy Mokim. He's Meshabeach something about the German Gaim that he experienced when he was in Germany. And he says, you know, there was a group of Bakram, maybe it was late at night, and he was just schmoozing with them, and he was saying, you know, it's amazing, they have an amazing Hanhaga, those polite, nice Germans, of course, before the war. They're so polite. He says, I went over to a German, I needed directions, and I asked him how to get to a certain place, and the German points in the direction that I need to go, says you go down that way five blocks, you make a left, 
one block and then you go up another block and then you'll get to your destination. Nishtvar, that's German for isn't it so? Meaning it's a German nicety. It's not like I'm telling you something that you don't know. You know it. I'm just like reminding you of what you already know. It's like a, you know, it's a sophistication. It's a very civilized conduct. I'm not saying to you, you know, I know better than you. I'm telling you. But it's together like just reminding you. And at the end of the whole direction, which obviously, you know, I was lost. I needed you there. But you say, Nishtam, meaning, isn't it so? Isn't it true? Isn't it the fact that, you know, we, we both know that that's the right way to get there and you're supposed to say yes? And there was a big tumult in the base Medrash whether or not such a Hanaga is something that we should admire and maybe adopt in our own in our own lifetime, in our own lifestyle, in our own midas, or is it something that we shouldn't learn from Gaim? There was a very big bikuach in the base Medrash. Some Talmidim in Sabatka said, it's wonderful, we should also do that. It's a great midah, nishbar, great, let's do it. Rav Hutner was sitting in the base Medrash and he says, absolutely not. We are not learning Midas from the Gayim. It's not what we're doing. It's Misafal Lachutz. It's just lip service. It doesn't mean anything. And a lot of Bachram back and forth were, were very much, um, you know, insulted by Rafutner's, you know, vehement, vehement stand against against adopting, why not? We should be able to. And there's one Bach in particular that said, no, I think we should adopt such a thing. The Germans are fine, sophisticated people. There's nothing wrong with learning this from them. Fast forward several decades later, the war had already taken place, and the rebuilding of Tyre in America was in full swing. And Rav Hutner was giving a shear in his yeshiva in Brooklyn. And at the end of the year, a man walks in and he comes up to Rav Hutner and he reminds Rav Hutner that he was a bacher that, that learned in yeshiva together with him. And finally Rav Hutner remembered, yeah, yeah, taka. And he sticks, sticks out his hand to give him shalom. And this other person, instead of having a hand, he gave him a hook. He didn't have a hand, he had a hook at the end of his arm. And if Hodner asked him politely, what happened? He says, I want to tell you something. I came all the way to Chaim Berlin to tell you this. And if Hodner used to say that this story is a mitzvah of Parsim. I argued with you that night in the base Medrash, if you remember. I felt that what Rabbi Abraham Elia Kaplan brought back from Germany was good for us. And I felt that we should be macabre van Hodner the Germans. If they're nice, let's give them credit where credit is due. He says, but then I went to the concentration camps. And the barbaric Nazi doctors were performing experiments. And the experiment that they were performing on me was how much a human being can tolerate pain. And they took a saw, a rusty saw, and they put my arm down on the table. And they started sawing away my arm, my hand. And the Nazi beast, as he was throwing off my arm, says, Es tut weh, nicht wahr? It hurts. 
Isn't it so? And then I knew, Rapunzel, that you were right. And how wrong I was. You see, Midas is not something that's just politeness. Don't ever mistaken Midas, Kaivas, for external acts of manners and etiquette and politeness. That's not what Midas are. That's fake Midas. Obviously, it's good to have good manners, but if you think that that's all you need, and then you've triumphed over the Eitzahara, you're wrong. You're living a lie. You're living a, a life of superficialities. Because the Nazis also were very polite. Would you say that they learned Mesos Yisharim? After the Pume, politeness is not Midas Taivas. Midas Taivas means that deep down inside I was kind of these Midas. That deep down inside, I'm a real Balchesed, I'm a real Anav. I'm a good person, I'm a caring person, I'm not an animal. I'm a human being that has tremendous potential. Midas Taivas have to cut to the core of our very essence. And if they're not, then we're fooling ourselves. The mitzvahs that we do, the davening that we do, the learning that we do, if it's just an act in the public square, but it's not real, we don't really feel that this is what we should be doing deep down inside. And the raya is, when we go home, we're not that way. We're not doing the same mitzvahs. We're not learning Torah the same way. We're not having the right midas like we had in yeshiva. Then that means that in yeshiva, we were really not performing what we should have been doing. It might be better than nothing, but that's not what the Rabbi Shalom wants from us. The Rabbi Shalom wants it to be deep. Midas has to be inside of us. It has to be deep inside of us. And guess why we never bother to really go deep down inside? Guess why we never actually took the time to inspect ourselves? What's going on in our kishkas? Are we really from? Are we really hidden? Do we really love the Rabbi Hashem? Do we really fear Him? Do we really love the Torah? When we do chesed, is it real? When we daven, is it real? When we're a nice person, is it real? Or is it just a superficial act? Guess why? We never bother to check that out. You know why? Because of power. The Mesos Yisharim in Parak Bays, right at the beginning of the Sefer, I mean, the first Parak is really just giving us Hakdam of Chaves Adam Bailame. So the Sefer really starts in earnest from chapter 2. And he speaks about Zihiros and how a person has to be so careful and be misfining. Contemplate what you're doing and every day, every minute. Am I doing right or wrong? And then there's deeper introspection and deeper surveillance. What am I doing? How am I doing it? Weeding out the Averis. And even in the mitzvahs, making sure that our mitzvahs are pristine and our mitzvahs are being done really with the right intentions and without any shemets of Upsilas. Vulam says the Ramchal, Hine Zais Bemes Achas Mitachbulai Sayetzahara Varamasai. One of the brilliant tactics that the Yetzahara 
performs. You know why we never make that cheshvan nefesh? You know why we never stop to think about the questions that I'm bringing up today and they're uncomfortable, I know? It's because we don't have time. Because the Sahara is so smart that he makes sure that we're so preoccupied with every other thing in the world that we never have a minute to breathe and to think about who we are and what's going on inside to open up the hood and to check and to give ourselves an inspection and to see whether or not everything is functioning right. The Yitzhahara takes that ability from us away because he's so brilliant in the way that he distracts us. Because the Yitzhahara knows the Yitzhara knows that if we do have a little time, what's going to happen is we're going to, have, we're going to do tshuva. We're going to change. We're going to improve. We'd leave our chaton if we'd only have a second. Zokter Amchal, Tarezeh, Me'en, Atzas, Parai HaRosha. This is a main of the Eitzah, the brilliance of the plan of Paray. Sha'amar, who says in Shemais Parakei, Make the workload, the effort, make it harder for them. Yeah, it's true, the traditional Mikra implies that he wanted us to have more works so that we, we would stop thinking about ways to perhaps rebel against him. What Pare, who really is the embodiment of the Eitzahara we know, you know what Pare's plan was? Make the workload harder, not just because he was an evil guy who liked us to, who liked to see us schwitz and to work really hard. That's part of it. Not just because he wanted to make sure that we were so busy that we wouldn't be nudging him, we wouldn't be, you know, thinking of ways to rebel. That's a, perhaps another part. But the main part, says the Ramchal, is that Parai, who is the embodiment of the Eitzahara, understands that if we have no time on our hands to do anything, because we're so busy and we're so distracted, then we won't be able to look inside of us. And we won't be able to think and to be misfighting about who we are and what our real Aveda is and should be and what we're lacking and what we need to fix. And then we won't do tshuva and we won't be the Amanitza. That was what Parai wanted. And he says, Kish Mochamahu Malumid Bar Mimo, Yetzahara is a very, is a strong warrior. Not easy. You think that the Yetzara is just like a nothing. You could flick him off. The Yetzara is very powerful and brilliant. You can't escape the Yetzara unless you really think. And you have a great Chachman and you do it with strategy and with wisdom. So what we're developing here is that Parai is really at the root of all of our problems for Ben Azmanin. Because number one, we're worried about losing the aliyah and ruchnis that we've had over this man, and when we come home, we're going to lose it. 
and we're going to be our old selves. We're going to take our old persona out of the closet and put him on again and not recognize who we were during Kislev and during Adar. That's Paray. He was inspired, went home, old Paray, and old Paray, an old Paray that, you know, he didn't he doesn't remember the inspiration, he goes home and he's a new Paray. That's one scary thing, which is Paray's fault. And then in asking why it is that we have such Differences when we're in yeshiva and when we're home, and why is it that we are so superficial that we can lose it all so quickly? Isn't it real? The answer is it's not real, unfortunately, generally. And that's Paro too, because Paro likes to keep us very busy with a lot of stuff so that we never have a chance to think internally. If we would think internally, if we'd have the ability to not have all the Abayda in our head, then we'd be able to understand how we could work internally and to fix what we need to fix inside so that we're not so waffling one minute to the next, yeshiva bacher to not. If we really mean it, if it was inside of our, of our, of our essence, if we were to the core B'nai Taira and to the core Yerei Shemayim, then we wouldn't have to worry, but Pari took care of that also. Pari took care of that by heaping upon us distraction upon distraction. Some distractions we have to do. We have to go to college, and we have to be busy with eating and with drinking and with sleeping. Those are the healthy, normal distractions. But then we know that we have so much free time, and we're busy then too with all types of technology, and we're constantly figuring out ways of what we should be doing with that free time that really we're robbing ourselves of. Rufotner used to, I heard on the, whenever he was like on a bus or on an airplane, and there was a yeshiva bacha that was sitting with a safer open and learning as, you know, we perceive as that, that's a good thing, and it is a good thing. Rufotner would go over and say, you know, why, why are you learning? He says, what do you mean, why am I learning? You know, I want a chazer, it's been a long time. He says, don't you know how to think? Do you need to always have your nose in a safer? Sometimes, you know, you have the ability to spend time with yourself and just think about yourself. Think about how your life is. Take a real diagnostic test of what's going on inside. Is there something so terrible about that? We come into our car and we have a long drive, right? We're driving a place, I don't know, to Muncie. We have a choice. What do we do in the car? The first thing that we do is we turn on the radio, or we turn on, uh, on music, or we turn on a Torah tape, all good things. Why do we have to do that? You know why we have to do that? You know why a human being always wants to be, you know, have something fed to him, music, or information, or Tyra, or something? It's because he's afraid of spending a few minutes with himself. He doesn't want to spend time with himself. I want to spend time with you, but I don't want to spend time with me. Because if I spend time with me, I have to look in the mirror, and I have to ask myself exactly what's going on, 
How deep is my frumkite? How deep is my Yerushalayim? How deep is my commitment to the Rabbi Yerushalayim? How deep are my midas? And I'm scared because I don't want to know the answer. And because Parai doesn't want us to. Parai says, Be busy constantly. Always be busy, busy, busy. Never have a second to yourself because he knows that if we would ever actually think about what we're doing, we would do tshuva, we would fix it, and it would go deep. The midas would be real. But Parai really reigns supreme in our life, even today. And so what I believe, Chazal and their brilliance, were misakin on Erev Pesach, Arlar Basar, is there a better time to throw off the Shibud of Parai? Parai is from the same word as Mafria, Afra, the distractions of our life. He just wants to distract us over and over again. Arlar Basar. We go around our homes. We take all of the inspiration that we have in the outside, us Muranos, and we want to bring it inside. We take the Aranair, we take the light of truth, and we shine it around every crack and crevice of our home, inspiring the home, inflaming and engulfing the home with most beautiful light, the light of Chazal, telling us to shine in our Lord we're coming into the zone of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. We can't possibly be ready for the Seder unless we throw off the yoke of Parai. If we're still Akati Abdi Parai Anan, then we can't say hello. We have to be able to rid ourselves of the shackles of Parai. So we go around the home. Parai says the home is a different territory. Be from outside in the home, it's dark. In the home, be cold, be non-religious, be different. It's okay, you're home. You can do stuff that you normally do at home because you're home, it's safe. No. The 14th, the night of the 14th, the first order of business is to bring the light into our homes, to say that we're not Abbe Paran. We're going to be consistently good outside the home and inside the home. That's the first order of business. And then, of course, the second order of business is the other shackle that power has on us. That it's deeper than that. The reason why in our home we're different is because in the inside, in our kishkes, we're not really where we should be. We're never misfining about what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong, whether the meters are true or not. We're superficial Jews. And power loves that. I do your mitzvahs, but just make sure, you know, what deep down inside, don't believe it. Act different at home. Make sure that inside the midas are like, a, you know, a centimeter thick, and inside you're not really what you claim to be. So the bedikas chametz laraner has to not only be external, but it's an internal beer. And we look into all of the cracks and crevices of our neshama. And as the Aleshur wrote, it's a training ground of Zahiras and Nikias. That's what the Mesosu Sharma is speaking about. Zahiras and Nikias is this is fineness. The internal is fineness that power doesn't want us to have. We have to insist on it now. And we have to go inside and clean out all the schmutz. Clean it all out. As much as you scrub inside of your car and inside of your of your of your drawers and inside of your apartments 
and the pots and the pans and make sure those are all scrubbed nice. The insides, our kishkes, our lev, our nisham, our pnimis, it has to be real. We have to figure out what we're doing wrong, what we're doing right, what are the harnatiyas l'ra, and try to rid ourselves of that and be real Jews. There's a story about the vision of Tzareba, that after he finished his badika on the well, Yodalad, he starts opening up the buttons of his shirt and he tells his shamus that's with him, says, now I've been baidek all of chametz in the house. Now I want you to be baidek the internal chametz. I want you to give me a cheshman nefesh and tell me the truth. Do a badika inside of me and tell me what I'm doing wrong. You keep explaining for me. You go against Parai. And the Gabbai, the Shamus, was a clever Yid. And he said immediately on the spot to the Rebbe, Rebbe, it's not necessary. Because we know that Makayim Shein Machdisim by Chamech Shein Tzuchim Bedika. Any place that you don't you don't bring Chamech Shein, you don't need a Bedika, Rebbe, you're fine. But are we fine? Are we really fine? Can we say that our insides are really as fine as our outsides? The outsides were beautiful. We have our hats, we have our jackets, we have our suits, we have our shoes, we have our svarim, we carry around our gemaras, we look good. But inside, are we good? Does it carry over into our house and into our inside house? Or is it superficial? Are we two different people? The Fiazetzler Eva, on his 40th birthday, writes himself a note, the most beautiful letter in great Jewish letters. He writes himself a little note, and he says... What should I give myself for my 40th birthday? What should I ask Rabbi Nishlam for for my 40th birthday? He says, he says, Kaira, I think I'm pretty good in learning, Baruch Hashem. You're a Shemayim? Fine, everything checks out perfectly. He says, I want one thing for you on my, from you on my 40th birthday. He says, I want a soul. He says, because I have all the right externals. I look the part. I have my Bekisha. I have all the right colors, the strimal. Everything is perfect. The one thing I'm lacking is I feel that something inside of me is dead and dirty and sullied and now we have to clean on Arab Pesach because if we're going to come into Yitzhak in earnest and not just go through lip service of Haggadah but really feel that we're finally ripping ourselves of Parah's influence the only way to do that is bring the light into our home consistency from the from Har Sinai to Shuvalochem Lechem and then we have to go even deeper than that and figure out why in our home are we different and that's because inside there's something that's lacking. And that's the bedika of the Lel Yadalit. And you know something? Once we're able to do that, our whole lives will be different. Halavai, we should be able to be Mekayim, the bedika of the Lel Yadalit. Because if we would, and do it exactly like we're talking today, our lives would be different. Reb Shimshim Pinkus. The great Rib Shimshim Pincus, whose svarim are bestsellers all over the world, English, Hebrew, and they keep printing more and more of his tyra, and his tyra is absolutely exquisite. He once told somebody, at a moment of iskalis for himself, he revealed something personal about him and he, about himself, and he, he said, you know, when did I become Rib Pincus? Where did, if I could identify one moment in my life, that changed, it was a game changer in my life. When would that moment be? He says, I'll tell you when. I know exactly the minute that it happened. He says, it was the night of Yodalad. I was a yeshiva bachar, I was a single guy, learning in brisk, and I was in my dira. 
And all the boys, I guess, who had American roommates, they all went home already, maybe, and he was alone in the room. So he did a real bedico, like we said, you know, maybe it took him a few hours. He went from one room to another room, and he scrubbed, and he did everything. And then he sat down, he was exhausted, and he felt really good that he was Mekayim, this mitzvah, the Rabban, and the all of a sudden, as he was sitting down, he was thinking to himself, you know, there's an attic. The apartment and all the apartments have like a, there's like a rooftop attic. And I think just maybe no one ever was baidik there. Maybe somebody brought comments there, who knows? And somebody's got to do it. And then he was going back and forth. Well, maybe who says it's my responsibility? Maybe it's the other people's responsibility. Who says there's comments? And the HR was playing with him back and forth. And it's Jabban was going to be Mavar the Chabitzel Bolei. The side he had all the lumbers. And then he says, you know, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And he goes up the steps to the attic of the Dira. And he says, like Finster for the Eigen. It was like black for my eyes. Says in front of me was a dirty, dusty, filthy attic that hasn't been probably gone through in years. And he says, "Ah, you know, you know, this is going to take me hours and hours and hours just to first clean in order to do the badika." And he says, "Well, you know, maybe I should." So he was Meister Nefesh. He got a, a a pail of hot soapy water and he got a mop and he got his, his sponge on the whole thing and he's spending hours and hours alone on the Lel Yodalid scrubbing and scouring and, and cleaning and mopping and wiping and drying and everything the apartment, that, that roof that, who knows if anyone ever went there in the last 20 years, he, then he did the Badika one room after another room in that attic and finally it was like already Alaysa Shachar. But he felt so good about his mysterious nefesh for this mitzvah de Rabbanan of cleaning that apartment, doing that bedika so well and so perfectly. But then he was afraid. He says, you know, now look what I did. He says, I'm going to be exhausted by the Seder and I'm not going to have a chance to sleep today because I have to burn the chametz and I'll do all the Avedis Hayyim. He didn't sleep that whole day. By Seder night, he thought he was going to be falling off his feet. And he said, I never had such a beautiful Seder night in my life. Every word I said in Mesikos, and I said it until Allah Sashachar, I was saying everything, the Shia Shirim and the Ava that was coming, I never had such a Seder night in my life. And then Chalamayev came, he says it was just one level of his Alas after another, I was steiging from level to level. And then it was the last day of Yantiv, and he was like Mamish on a high, and he was so nervous that he was going to lose that high. But Baruch Hashem, he said that year, or the last day of, Sha- of, of Yantiv went right into Shabbos. So he got right away onto the Shabbos bandwagon. And he felt even higher, a level of Kedusha Shabbos that he never had before. And he says, from that Bedikas Chametz, I became Repinkus. My entire Shtaigin in life came from that one selfless act of Messiris Nefesh for the Mitzvah Drabanan of Arli, Arbaaser, Baikinas, Achametz, Laranet. The unfortunate part of that story is that Rahman son, he got into a car accident many, many years later, and he was buried on, on Arla Arbasar. Him and his wife and 
a child. Terrible tragedy for Klai Yisrael. The loss of losing Rapinkas is a loss that we will never be able to ever repair. Because Rapinkas would be continuing his great aliyah and being mashpian aridar that needs Ashba so badly. But his Ashba remains. And Sadiqim are born, their misasan and their leda on the same day. His leda and earnest was on the Lel Yadalad, and that's when he was laid to rest. And I believe that the reason for this, the reason that dafka of all the mitzvahs that could have been the catalyst for the launching pad of greatness was the Bidikas Chames is because of what we're saying. Because Bidikas Chames is not merely going through that dirty attic, but it's going through our dirty attic. And it's figuring out exactly what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong and scrubbing and mopping and making sure to try to look internally and not to be distracted. Yeah, we have emails waiting, we have websites waiting, we have Facebook waiting, we have blogs waiting, we have this. Put it all on hold because that's paradise. Now we have an opportunity on Arli Adala to be able to concentrate on the Aveda Sayyayim, which is an internal pneumistic Aveda besides for the external Aveda. And both are battles against the Yitzhara, which is Paray. So as we're on the cusp of Ben Azmanim, and we have this nervousness, a healthy anxiety, of will we be able to maintain the Madregas of the Zman? My bracha is that we will. And my Eitsa is that the way to do that is through the Badikas Lel Yadalad, and then the Mela that will lead into the mitzvahs of Pesach, the Gadatul Abincha. If you don't have a Ben, then you tell your wife. You don't have a wife, you tell yourself. Spreading the Kedusha in our home to our wives, to our children, and to ourselves. Spreading all the things that we know in our mind to be Adata Yayim, the trick is not knowing it in our head. It's easy to preach and it's easy to, to quote. But it's very hard to put it into our hearts. And that's the Aveda of Pesach. To fight Paray, to be true Nigalim. And Amir Tzashem, my bracha to you is that when you go home, you should get home safely and you should be safe at home. You should be Nishmar Mikol Davarah. And in Mitzvah Hashem, we should come back together after Ben Azmanim and go la'ela, ula'ela, have a chag, kosher, v'samech.